This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. For most of us, what we might know about SNM might be pretty much regulated to everything that we read in Fifty Shades of Grey slash saw in the movie. So what does SNM even mean? Who does it? And is this something you should be introducing into your relationship? You already know we're going to say yes. So there is a whole world of SNM out there. And no, it's not just what Fifty Shades of Grey taught you. I'm Elisa Benson. This is Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast. And today we're talking about the truth about SNM. Joining me on the panel today is Cosmopolitan.com's senior sex and relationships editor and frequent podcast guest, Allie Drucker. Hi, Allie. Hi, Elisa. It's always a fun app when it's an Allie Drucker app. What can I say? We, br- we bring the fun. <laughs> you bring the fun. Exactly. So um, S&M, do you want to just go ahead and kick readers off with like a quickie, like what's the one sentence definition of that? Sure. Oh, my God. Okay. S&M technically stands for sadism and masochism. It's part of BDSM, which is bondage, dominance, sadism, and masochism or submission and dominance. Sometimes it has other meanings for the acronyms. It's basically just the act of like causing abuse or giving abuse during sex in a way that's consensual and enjoyable. And so, Ali, we know that our readers are obsessed with Fifty Shades of Grey. And of course, that's been like years and years and years uh, that we've been talking about that and writing about it on the site. Yeah. So at this point, it's not even new. But um, so, you know, we've seen a lot of questions and curiosity from our readers over the past several years about it. Is there kind of a most common thing that you hear that readers are curious about? I think people want to know like how to get started and they want to know like do I have to do all of this that mm. they see and like no you don't. The long answer to a, sh- a short question is that you see a lot of things in Fifty Shades that like aren't really true SNM. Like you would never go into it the way Anastasia does like not knowing what's up and like letting somebody else call all the shots. In a true SNM relationship you're both fully aware, fully consensual about like all the acts that you're about to perform and just because like one thing like getting like flogged with a whip isn't for you like SNM might still be for you. You might like something easier. You might like some hair pulling or some spanking or a, like a, using a paddle during sex. It's it's definitely like not a like one size fits all. You get to pick and choose the activities that you want to start with. One size flog does not fit all. <laughs> Great. Um, so I think we should go. I actually have a million questions about this, and I think we should just like go ahead and start calling up some of our friends. Absolutely, right? it's so fun. All right, let's do it. Our first guest is the owner of one of the most iconic alternative clubs in Hollywood, Bar Sinister. Welcome, Trisha LaBelle. Hi, Trisha. Hi, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And to start off with, for the uninitiated, what is Bar Sinister? What do people need to know about it? Well, Bar Sinister is an alternative night, and I like to categorize it as an alternative night. Some people reflect upon it as a goth night or a rock and roll night or a fetish night, but it encompasses all of that. It's um, an event that I started 18 years ago. I've been involved in the scene for nearly 25 years. 
Um, it's a night that attracts people who have a little more open mind, not only to sexuality, but to their attire, um, to certainly the open-minded conversations, transgender, gay. Um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a form that you can walk into and you can relax any preconceived notions you have. You can be who you want to be and everyone there is accepted. How, you know, 18 years is a, that is a long time. What has been the difference yeah. in, you know, when you started this 18 years ago versus now where I feel like, you know, it's a lot more mainstream. I think people are really a lot more interested and certainly it's just easier to find you with the internet and social media. Yes. Well, we've become more world-renowned than just Hollywood. I mean, I've gone to places as far away as Japan recently where I sat next to a man in a bar who had been to my club. Wow. <laughs> so it's rather interesting how world-renowned the club has become. Um, when I first started it, we had a capacity of only about 170 people. Now we have a capacity of 500 with the expansion of the club. Um, so it's grown quite a bit, and we do sustain between 400 to 700, depending on what night of the month it is, uh, at Bar Sinister. So I would say it's grown quite a bit over the 18 years. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so tell us about the Purgatory Playroom. The Purgatory Playroom is a room it's a, that is uh, on a second floor. It's a mezzanine that looks down over the club. Uh, where people can dance. There are dancers down below, and upstairs in the playroom is an area for people who more want to be involved in the fetishine, who are in like-minded uh, groups where you can come in a public setting um, with a liquor license because under the state laws, I have certain guidelines I have to abide by. But in this environment, you can meet people who have like minds, swingers, people in the fetishine, people in BDSM scene um, can come and they can soft play. They can learn um, if they've never been before. Uh, we have everyone from couples to come to singles who come to hardcore players who come. So they can meet one another, meet new people, and then take their, their interest in the environment even further in outside forums where there are private organizations or into your own home. But you have a safe place to be able to engage with people, meet some of my masters and my doms, um, and learn techniques that... Um, can be enjoyable and safe when you practice them. What do you think, you know, we've already, of course, on this podcast mentioned Fifty Shades of Grey, which for a lot of our Cosmo <laughs> readers is like something they're super obsessed with. And I think for some of them was sort of like an entree point into learning more about S&M. But I know there's been a lot of controversy over the way it sort of depicts the scene and how accurate it is. You know, what do you feel about the sort of pop culture representations of some of what you're doing? As far as, I mean, there are some people who go very deep into the fetish BDSM, which is bondage dominatrix. Um, and it can be pretty rough for some people, especially uh, beginners and women like me. And it's one reason why I, I take pride in it is because I am a woman and I am all about sensuality. I am about protecting women um, and couples learning to go into the scene. Um, there can be some pretty violent um tendencies in the scene that some people enjoy. Mm -hmm. Some people enjoy the violence of the scene. Um, and then there are others who just enjoy the tickle play. And I think that all of us, you know, don't mind a little slap on the butt or, you know, a nice soft whip with a flogger. Right. <laughs> um, being blindfolded or handcuffed. Um, it uh, kind of opens up the creativity in the mind and explores your own sexuality with not just yourself, but with your partner. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So what is a typical night like? It sounds like on some nights you have 
um huge crowds yeah 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 so so tell us walk us through a typical night if i were i've never been so if i were visiting (laughs) for the first time what would it be like for me well we always encourage people who have never been um if they don't have proper alternative fetish gothic attire to just come in all black Mm -hmm. Um, okay that's that's easy it's easy to do (laughs) we can start with that yeah and and we encourage that because it is a Saturday night in Hollywood, and we want people to really feel like they're they're stepping out and they're doing something. They're getting, you know, it's not cheap to come into Hollywood anymore, so we want it to be an ex- a full-rounded experience. And I always find that when people dress up, it starts the participation. Mm-hmm. So when you come, when you dress up and you put on that nice red lipstick and those high heels, um, and you put on that suit jacket and you come through our doors, and you walk into this different world where you're going to walk by somebody heavily gothed out, you're going to walk by a rock and roller, you're going to walk by a girl in latex um, with nipple clips on. Um, it's, it's. Uh, I call it the Battlestar Galactica Club <laughs> um, because it really encompasses different people. And then when you venture up into the loft um, and we have the St. Andrew's cross-up where people may be tied up or handcuffed to this, we have... Um, uh, professional ropers that come in and bind people to the rafters. We have people who come in and wrap people in cellophane. We have hair pullers that will put you over a horse um, on the on the floor and just pull your hair for an hour. Um, it's uh, it's an interesting room to observe the different ways people experience pleasure, mm-hmm. and it allows you then also to tickle what you want to explore inside yourself. How do I get that job? So, Professional hair puller. Yeah. That's a yeah. job that sounds And fun. I will tell you, just watching him, um, it's better than looking at a massage. You can't wait to get your hair pulled. It's <laughs> quite, it looks really, I mean, we all know when we're grabbed by the back of the head in a great moment, how that feels. Um, yeah. And, and this gentleman who does this, um, my master Jordan, uh, he is a great hair puller and he'll work the whole neck uh, the back of the head, the front of the head. Um, it's great to watch. Uh, I, the ropers that we have, the ropers do, it's an art form to be a roper. Um, it can take up to an hour sometimes to bind, bind somebody to a beam in the loft. Um, and they start with the feet and wrap up around the breast, the neck, the back of the arms, the whole torso. And it is so eloquently knotted and wrapped. By the time they're done, it actually looks like a sculpture. It sounds amazing. That's fascinating. How, Trisha, how do you find the people that work for you? They come to me. Um, after all of these years of doing something like this, we have become kind of the opening ground for people like yourselves who've never been there mm-hmm. to venture in through that first door. And people who are into the scene, who are the players, the masters and the dominatrix, they look for you because part of what they embrace in their scene is being able to work with more new people. Um, It helps them to keep on the top of their game uh, and to kind of open people's eyes to not being afraid of something that really can bring a lot of pleasure to couples. And what would you say to people who are maybe curious about it, but do feel afraid? Just come. (laughs) Just come and watch. And, and yeah, there's going to be some things that will turn you off, but there's going to be things that are going to turn you on. Yeah. And I 100 percent want to come and watch. Um, <laughs> what about for people that aren't in California? That want to come to the club? Yeah. Or just are curious that are listening to this podcast right now and feel really curious about everything you're saying, but they live in Ohio. 
well, now with the internet um, and social media, there are you have thousands of access to um, fetish websites, BDSM. In order to open the door in your mind to exploring it, Um, certainly the Suicide Girls uh, website opens your eyes to alternative um, looks and talent. Um, We have a very popular uh, place here in Los Angeles called the Stock Room, which sells all sorts of fetish toys and uh, sex paraphernalia. They're one of our biggest partners at Bar Sinister. Um, We have a girl, Hutsy Hahn, who is one of my head doms. And uh, Master Jordan, who works has worked for us for for years, I would say start with searches. Mm-hmm. Start with searches on the net. Um, we do have some links on our website that you can go to to explore uh, the ideas and the notions. Um, certainly, some of these are private forums, so mm-hmm. what you may see on these websites are not necessarily things that we can uh, conduct in our venue. Although we are pretty liberal, we do have to stay within the guidelines of state laws in a liquor licensed venue. So there's no live sex acts. There's no, um, you know, there's no penetration. There's no, Mm -hmm. there's no nude bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a lot of ability to see how it all works. Right. Right. Um, and just back, speaking of nude bodies, I want to back up to what you said about, um, you know, we recommend people wear all black. I think it's nice to hear you say that because I feel like there is so much discussion and sort of anxiety for people that don't have a wardrobe full of, you know, fetish garb about what to wear. Um, and there's no need to wear fetish garb. Even in, in some of the swingers' private homes, when you go to fi- private um, fetish parties, you'll find people dressed in uh, regular street clothes. Once mm-hmm. you establish the relationship and they know who you are and that you respect the scene, um, they're a little more open and liberal to allowing anyone in. Um, but that first door, so that they don't feel intimidated, especially people who are hardcore in it, they can be offended by people who walk in who don't respect it. Right, who um, don't seem like they're you know, taking with all of us, especially women, we want to be respected. Right. So that's a big deal for me when you come into the club. You don't step into scenes. You don't interrupt a scene. You respectfully mm-hmm. sit and watch. When you want to participate, you speak to the headmaster or the dom of the room, and he will eloquently pull you in. Um, maybe this goes along with that sort of note of respect, which is, of course, so important. But what is one rule of thumb you would tell anyone before they come to Bar Sinister for the first time? Well, that goes back to what I just said. It's, mm-hmm. it's respecting your environment. Um, just because you may see a couple, a woman or a man, participating in a scene when they're finished with that scene, that doesn't give anyone the right to take advantages against them. Mm-hmm. And that goes for anything in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's up to us to give the okay the person that the act is being held against. Um, but when when we say no, <laughs> that word no has to be respected. So I, it, for me, it's the newbies coming in, sit and watch, observe, learn, ask questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. We do have signage in the venue to help people um, guide them through that. But it is important that when you see who's running the room, you step in and you ask questions. Even other people in the room that you can see are in the scene, talking to them. It's like anywhere you go. People love to help people and educate them on something. So feel free to ask people questions. Right. That doesn't make you like look like a newbie who doesn't know what's going on. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, people would rather have you ask questions than act inappropriately. Yeah. Or do something to harm someone, let alone harm yourself. Yeah. Yeah. 
And also, who likes to know it all, especially about sex? So true. <laughs> um, so, Trisha, what is next for you? Like, are you going to expand Bar Sinister? Are we going to have a New York version anytime soon? Well, I've often thought about it. I get asked often from London to San Francisco, New York, mm-hmm. Texas to open another Bar Sinister. Um, I just opened a restaurant in Los Angeles, and that's kind of taking all my time at the moment mm. and, and working with Stockroom and how to brand more uh, sexual play and clothing um, is more what I'm focused on right now. Uh, but there is hope that there could be another Bar Sinister somewhere in the world. <laughs> well, we vote New York. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I hear you. <laughs> Noted. Well, thank you so much, Trisha. It was great to talk to you. appreciate it so much. Thank you. Come visit us. Yes, we will. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Our next guest is a former NCAA athlete turned professional dominatrix. Please welcome Mistress Lucy. Hi, Mistress Lucy. Hi there. It's great to be here today. Yeah. where, Where are we talking to you from right now? I'm actually in uh, Los Angeles, where I am based. Uh, I live and work here, but also I travel to New York sometimes and all around the country. Oh, perfect. Well, we're in New York. I feel like Allie and I um, were just talking to um, Trisha LaBelle in our last um, phone conversation, who's the owner of Bar Sinister, about how she needs to start a branch here. I so know. We need we're like pushing for the New York scene. <laughs> but um, anyway, what I really <laughs> wanted to ask you was, um, I think it's safe to say that some of our listeners probably don't quite understand what exactly it is you do as a dominatrix. So can you fill us in to start with? Sure. So uh, a dominatrix or a professional dominant, as I kind of refer to myself as, uh, helps people uh, particularly those who are interested in exploring their submissive side or have uh, certain fetishes or kinks uh, in a safe and professional environment. So sometimes um, someone who might approach me is interested in exploring something like cross-dressing. Say they're a straight man interested in that. But they don't really feel ready to out themselves to potential partners or uh, you know <laughs> people they're going on dates with. And so this is a way to kind of safely explore that in a contained environment with someone who's experienced and can kind of introduce you to this type of play. And so where are people finding you? Uh, people find me from my website, which is mistresslucy.org. Um, and they also find me, you know, through Twitter or um, Instagram as well. Um, and sometimes in person, we do have some BDSM parties here that are geared towards uh female dominance, such as myself, and submissive males. So uh, sometimes we'll make a connection there in person. And are most of the clients you work with, is it sort of like a one-time situation, or these are people you're seeing repeatedly, or it just depends? Oh, it definitely depends. Um, I've had clients who have been with me since pretty much the beginning of my career five years ago. Oh, wow. Um, you know, we've seen each other regularly throughout that time. And then there's clients that, you know, come once or maybe they're visiting Los Angeles and they find me uh, and something about the way I present myself and my interest kind of resonates with them. And, you know, we get together, have a great time, and maybe I won't see them again. Um, And some people you see for a while and then maybe they move on or move away or vice versa. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like any other type of relationship. Some last a lifetime and some are just a one-night stand (laughs) yeah definitely I can relate to that so how did you become a professional dominatrix 
Well, I actually kind of stumbled into this field when I was in grad school. Um, I was working as a cocktail waitress at, a t- at the time. So, um, you know, kind of dealing with a really a bunch of drunk people for like $5 tips. And mm-hmm. it wasn't great for, you know, kind of that reason. I felt very, you know, taken advantage of and not much didn't have much agency, you know. Um, and when I met a friend of a friend just randomly at a bowling alley, I think, um, and started talking The sexiest to her. place possible. <laughs> oh, yeah, just so kinky, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> she kind of let me know what she did and opened up to me about some of the activities entailed in her profession. And I just was immediately enthralled. And the next day I went on the internet and just kind of search for uh, opportunities here in LA and luckily for me I found someone right away that was training new uh, new doms. Um, so that sounds I mean I'm sure you're cutting out a few of the specifics but it basically sounds like you went from hearing about this to really you know deciding to do it almost immediately. Yeah you know I had been very interested in BDSM um, kind of in my personal life, you know, perving on the internet and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, like some people might be able to relate to, um, you know, as a strong female, as a feminist, I kind of only saw uh, images of women participating in BDSM as taking the submissive role. And I didn't quite feel comfortable um, at that time allowing myself to explore that territory. You know, it was very charged for me. Um, And so to, to realize that, oh, I can not only explore the territory I'm already interested in, but from a space that I feel not only safe, but I feel valued. Um, Someone is paying me to do this. Uh, Felt like a dream come true. (laughs) And so what was the training? Give it a try. Yeah. Yeah. And what was the training process like? Like, what does that entail? Everyone kind of of does it differently. Um, There are some kind of Four full dungeons that might have a particular course or a training period you have to go through. Um, the person that I worked under was actually kind of touch and go. So it was a very fast orientation and some basic skills involving rope, involving corporal punishment. Um, so parts of the body you can whip or flog or cane uh, with relative safety and what areas you want to avoid. Um, and kind of just threw me in there. <laughs> so for me, it was a very much a sinker, sinker swim situation. And, um, you know, as new clients came in that she arranged for me, she would kind of um, teach me the skills that I needed to, to uh, kind of fulfill that, that session. So when when you work with a new client, are they usually like when they're like making an appointment on the online form? Like, are they is there like a drop down menu of things they're choosing? Like, basically, are they coming in where you have an understanding of like what they're specifically looking for? Or are people kind of coming in saying like, I don't really know, but I'm curious about this? No, I get the whole spectrum. Um, BDSM is all about consent. So... I always encourage people, if they're approaching me with not a whole lot of um, uh, research that they've done about what area they want to explore together, I always encourage them to kind of, you know, take a look at my website, Google some of the terms you don't know, and see if that's something that kind of is arousing to you, you know. Um, because BDSM is kind of this umbrella term that 
encaptures so many different activities that are often uh, have nothing to do with one another. It's really important that, you know, as play partners, we get our expectations kind of, you know, in line. Um, and on the other hand, there are people who know exactly what they want. They've been doing this, you know, maybe in their room by themselves for a while or with other doms or with play partners. Um, for decades even. And I've learned a lot from my clients who are older and more experienced. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's the whole spectrum. But I love playing with people who are new to BDSM since it's a kind of opening up a whole new territory for them, which is exciting for me. Um, and I also, I also love learning, learning about things and fetishes and kinks that, you know, I've never even explored. So, What was something that you'd never explored before that you, you know, got to try for the first time in a professional setting (laughs) well one kind of uh maybe extreme example is an older gentleman who is very much into kind of medical play and when i say medical play it's usually play involving you know kind of enemas or catheters or speculums kind of um so are you instrument heavy are you role-playing doctor or is it more about like the tools and the acts for him, I think it was more about the tools and the act. Interesting. Yeah. And so, so one thing that I never done when at the time was to infuse this man's scrotum, <laughs> uh, his ball sack, with saline. Oh my god! So you can allow it to drip into the <laughs> into the ball sack until it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it's like really heavy and kind of. Uh, <laughs> kind of bloated as you might be able to imagine yeah um (laughs) oh my god interesting yeah and you know in that case what happens is kind of it just slowly your body kind of slowly just dissipates it over over the next day or so and then it kind of goes back to normal sure sure (laughs) do you feel like you know i'm i'm sure that you are extremely open-minded does anything people say surprise you you know, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen it all. <laughs> I've seen a lot, yeah. <laughs> What's the most common thing that people are coming to you asking for? Oh, gosh, the most common thing. Um, like you're like this again? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know how every well, girl has like a lob haircut? What's the like lob haircut? Angles <laughs> and layers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of... Um, a lot of men want to be treated, uh, well, we call it slut training. Hmm. Um, and basically, I mean, to just to simplify it down to, you know, the bare basics is like, take a, you know, a straight kind of mainstream porn, right? The mm-hmm. girl is being objectified. She's probably dressed in some kind of like fishnet slutty outfit with like thigh high boots and like, you know, bending over, sticking her ass out. And kind of basically just treat it like a like a object for uh, sex, you know, like a sex dolly. Sure. Um, and I think you know whether it's because you know we watch so much porn as a society, um, or that we don't objectify men very much from like a, a in a hetero context, anyways. Um, but a lot of men, I think, crave this kind of sexual objectification. You know, and so we end up dressing them up in layers of fishnet and thigh highs and, 
you know, a strappy heels and wigs and like big red lips, like smeared mascara Hmm. and, um, you know, making them suck a fake dick, you know? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's pretty common. That's pretty common. That's interesting. (laughs) Slut training. I love that. I never heard that before. Slut training. (laughs) Yeah. Um, One thing that this is completely anecdotal, but one thing that I've been hearing a lot of people say, um, you know, in New York where we're based is that since the election and there's been a lot of election depression and a lot of again Mm -hmm. this is anecdotal but a lot of people saying like I couldn't get in with my therapist because you know she said she's so busy with people that are dealing with election depression do you see the same thing in your line of work that like when big national things happen that people are upset about that you know this is therapy for people Oh, well, it's definitely a type of therapy for people, I believe. Um, And it definitely does go in cycles. Um, Sometimes it's related to national things. Sometimes it's kind of more mysterious. Mm -hmm. Um, I've definitely noticed kind of like an uptick this last week in the number of inquiries I've been receiving. So, you know, maybe people are depressed and want to be distracted Mm -hmm. or they need to work out some extra stress. yeah, I mean, I think people are, <laughs> there's definitely cycles, and sometimes they're obvious, and sometimes they're really not. I could use that. I have not had sex since the election. It's too stressful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ali's going to um, email you after this. Um, what is a stereotype, Perfect. yeah, um, what is a stereotype you hear about S&M that you want to clear up? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Um well, I think I think the most common would probably be that S and M is all about pain, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about being tight and flogged and, and until you're like, you know, bleeding and crying or whatever. And there are people that are very much into pain and kind of the experience of it. It's arousing, it's releasing for them, but that's a very small majority of the people I see. S and M to me is is more about just power exchange, consensual power exchange. And so that can look like being tied to a cross and be until you're bleeding. It can look like forcing somebody to wear a chastity device and taking their own agency to touch themselves away. Uh, it can involve having someone rub your feet for an hour, you know, for foot worship or leg worship. It, you, and it can look like someone cleaning your house, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, the emotional element so is just as important. Just, it's the like control yeah, dynamic. Like yeah, yeah. It's 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 much broader of a territory, and you know, uh, I think knowing that people should kind of explore it a little more, and and not just write off the whole, um, you know, kind of bundle of possible activities out out there as not for them. And what is the best way for people to get started? You know, for people that aren't in the, you know, L.A. area and don't have a chance to visit you IRL, like, what would you recommend? You know, there's a lot of resources online, some good, some misleading. Yeah, like, how do you find a good one? Well, I would suggest one place to start would be uh, FetLife.com. It's basically like a Facebook, but for kinky people. And uh, it's international, so wherever you are, there's probably many people in your area who are also on there. Um, and, it, and it's organized in a way where there's, like, um, people form groups with common interests. And so you can get involved in a group and then kind of see what discussions are going on. And, you know, maybe you want to learn a skill. Oftentimes those are advertised on there. 
Um, and, and that's a really great way, first step, to just kind of see what other people are talking about and, that, and to see that other people are talking and thinking about the things that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are in a more kind of um, vibrant city that has a happening kink community, then uh, I would suggest going to a munch. And what that is is basically a really informal gathering at a restaurant or a bar, basically in a vanilla context a non-BDSM context um, where you can just meet other people who identify themselves as, you know, kinksters or fetishists or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, thank you so much. I could talk to you all day, Mistress Lucy. This has been so interesting. But thank you so much for making time, and I hope we can have you on again. That's great. I love talking to you guys and uh, love to talk to you guys again. Yeah, and thank where's you. the best place for people to find you? They can find me on my website at mistresslucy.org. I keep a blog, so you can kind of see what's going on in my life. Or you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Lucy the Mistress and kind of get a sneak peek at you know what my day-to-day is all about. Great. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. It's time to bring in the sex expert. Please welcome our next guest, a clinical psychologist and certified sex therapist, Dr. Shannon Chavez. Hi, Dr. Shannon. How are you? Hi, doing well. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. We've Allie and I have been having the best time <laughs> talking about S&M all day on um, the podcast. And I guess just to kick things off with you, you know, what is the most common S&M related question or issue that your clients ask you about? So many great questions. One is, uh, does an interest in BDSM necessarily mean that there's a pathological problem? Sometimes clients want to know, what's the difference between kinky and S&M? Is there a difference? And others may want to dabble in, and they want to know if they can use S&M as a way to spice up their sex life. And also, where do they start? You know, I have a lot of clients that want to know where they can start or what they can learn about and where to begin. And we've been asking a lot of our guests that we've had on so far about sort of like ways to get started if this is interesting to you. Um, And so I'd love to know from you specifically, because you work with couples, like how do you, if you're in a relationship, kind of mention this to your partner? If this is something you think you might be interested in, but you don't really know how your partner will respond. I think it's always about open communication and honesty. I mean, obviously, if this is part of your sexuality and you're feeling embarrassed or ashamed about it, that's even more reason to talk about it with your partner. And, and know that there may be some judgments or values or old beliefs that come around uh, that's something they've heard about or an old story or experience, but that's also part of communication is to talk about that. So I think with couples, it's all about communication, talking about it. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're asking your partner to participate. It could be just a conversation or a dialogue to start that uh, exploration or start at least a place and point where couples can talk about it. For sure. Do you think S&M is something that everybody should introduce in their sex lives at some point, like just to see how you feel about it? Or is that going too yeah. far? You know, in a way, I definitely think there's a lot of benefits. The first is sexual exploration. You know, we're very sensory beings. We love sensations and touch and different types of sexual activity. So the thing about S&M that I really like is that it puts everything out in the open. It's an open arena for great communication, open and honesty about your sexuality. 
and exploration and play, which are a lot of the reasons why couples aren't satisfied in the bedroom is because they're bored and they're used to doing the same thing sexually. And BDSM can at least open up some areas for exploring your erotic potential, new areas that you may be surprised that you find enjoyable around sexual activity. Is there any, like, for couples that are sort of new to it, is there any, like, too much too soon or just any point where you would say, you know, that you should maybe be a little careful or, like, you know, dip a toe in before you jump all the way in? Yes, 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 (laughs) definitely. I think, uh, you know, couples get excited about this area and they want to explore. They just want to try everything right away. So what I usually recommend is definitely do your homework. Read about it. Get some books go on the web, you know, familiarize yourself with it first and start with one thing. So if you're going to try something with uh, sensory play or spanking or anything like that, start with one activity and see how you go and talk about it. You know, what did you like about it? What would you do differently the next time? And then start to talk about what you want to try and what you want to explore next. So definitely start slow and go into it with an open mind and, uh, you know, with no expectations, that's important, too. Good communication is let's talk about it, but we're not expecting to either love it or that we're going to have issues with it. So open mind is really important. And we've talked so far on the podcast, and we talked to one woman who's the owner of a nightclub um, that does basically S&M-themed nights, and we talked to a woman that works as a professional dominatrix. Um, so those were sort of both about introducing this into your sex life in a sort of very, like, I don't know, bringing other people or other places into the equation. Um, Is there a right or wrong way to do it? You know, is this something that might be for first timers better to try in their own bedroom versus out at a club? Or do you think it just depends on the couple? I think it depends on the couple and their foundation in their relationship. So if they have a really solid foundation built on trust, open communication, and even sexual awareness, I think that's going to be a much better place to bring in. Uh, you know, exploring and maybe even visiting a play space or talking to other professionals, things like that. I definitely think that um, if there is any discomfort or, um, you know, shame or anything like that between the couple, then it's probably best to talk about those pieces first before introducing before you're like uh, out at the club (laughs) exactly yeah exactly again baby steps you know you want to start slow and just get a good sense of your own values and beliefs what you think about it maybe what you've heard about it other stories from other couples i mean we all have information that we bring in before we even start that conversation right so Allie and I live in New York where, of course, there's like a, you can't walk down the street without tripping over a sex club. But if I'm like, you know, one of our listeners out there in Ohio or whatever, that's my example. I keep bringing up on the podcast today. I don't know why. But if I live in the middle of nowhere um, and so I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to go out and do this in the world. I want to like order something off the Internet. Like what's a good like starter? Like what's the starter S&M package for like me and my partner? I think there's some great books, wonderful books around S&M. I mean, one that comes to mind is S&M 101 by Jay Wiseman, and it just has everything you would need to know from how to start that first conversation, even uh, sample contracts to have with your partner, and lists of different types of S&M activities. I think something like that is a good guide, and it may bring up a lot of good questions. Of course, it doesn't cover everything. S&M is a huge spectrum 
of different activities and practices. But books are great. Also, uh, believe it or not, even a place like Ohio, there are <laughs> definitely uh, <laughs> uh, neighborhoods and, and uh, play spaces. So I think check out your city and see what's available. And uh, the third thing is FetLife is a great website where you can connect with other people. It's a sense of community. So you may be able to go on there and ask questions or read blogs or, or get information that will help answer some of the questions you may have. So start with information gathering. That's always the first step. And then good communication. So talk to your partner about it. If there's anything that you're interested in or you're thinking about, just bring it into conversation. Be open and honest about it and don't let there be any surprises. Um, and what about if you reach the point where you want to bring sort of another person in, like a dominatrix type or another, you know, how do you have that conversation with your partner? I think what you want to do is is talk about it and get their perspective. So, you know, what would be the role of this person? You know, what is the intention of bringing that person in? Is it for uh, actual play between the two of you? What would each of your roles be? I think if you communicate about it and make it less scary or fearful or unknown, it, it can be a lot more, uh, you know, a partner can be more open to wanting to participate. <laughs> it's like any threesome. You have to, like, set up the boundaries of what your third is going to entail, like what yeah. acts are okay with them versus each other and just talk about it Absolutely. First. Which, uh, again, it all comes down to communication. So as long as you're talking about what you want, and again, no surprises, but this person's coming in and this is going to be their role and this is what we want them to do or not do, I think all of that is, is essential, if not required to do this. Absolutely. And is there, just one more question before we let you go, is there ever a point where your relationship with S&M could be unhealthy? Absolutely. Like any, you know, sexual behavior, anything that can claim your consciousness can become unhealthy. So we want to remember that if it becomes out of control, that, you know, you can get help, you can talk to a therapist, you can uh, get the support that you need. But again, there's, there's no actual addiction to this type of behavior, but anything behaviorally can become compulsive or out of control. So we just want to be mindful of that and see, uh, you know, what some of those factors are. And there's, you know, diagnostic criteria that we use as, as professionals to help make that decision. So we're looking for things like uh, risky behaviors and anything uh, becoming out of control or um, they're engaging in behavior despite negative consequences to both physical and emotional health. These are really important indicators. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Shannon. And if people have more questions for you or just want to get in touch or want more information, where's the best place for them to find you? You can find me on my website, www.drshannonchavez.com, and I'd be happy to answer questions or give book recommendations. I have a lot of great resources for couples that are curious or want to explore, so definitely reach out. Great. Thank you so much. It was so great talking to you. You as well. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This was a fascinating episode. Ali, what did you learn? I Highlights? I feel like I walk away from doing this every time and I could like fill a new encyclopedia. Um, learned scrotum inflation with saline solution is a thing. Did not know that. Who would have guessed? Right. <laughs> Definitely. I just like, I think I was like, that's so interesting. <laughs> oh my God, that sounds like so much, so painful. Yeah, but it was really interesting. I have to say, I, you know, we've done a lot 
Ali, again, like I said, you always bring the fun when you come <laughs> onto the podcast. We've talked about a lot of these topics at this point, but I thought it was actually really interesting to talk to Trisha. I think she's the first person we've talked to who was like the host of a place, yeah. which made this feel like... Very entrepreneurial. Yeah. Entrepreneurial, which is interesting for her as a woman that's been doing this for nearly two decades now, which is yeah. crazy. But I don't know, just... It's one thing to talk to people who exist as like someone you Google on the internet. And it's another thing to be talking to somebody that owns a physical space where every night people are, you know, going and getting their hair pulled. It's a commitment. I can't wait. I think we've got to make a trip to L.A. We do. We do. I'm actually go- I'm going this week, but I didn't want to. Uh-huh. I didn't know if it was I'm going with my mom. So I didn't know if it was like the right time to mention Interesting. it. Interesting. Hey, but- mom. <laughs> want to take a detour? Right. Exactly. Oh, my God. It, you took it too far. You took it too far. <laughs> Well, Ali, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and where, besides, as I always say, reading all the amazing sex and relationship content that your team publishes every single day on Cosmopolitan.com, where is the best place for people to follow you? You can get me on Twitter and Instagram at Ali underscore Drucker. And you guys, Ali, her team really does such a good job of writing about this stuff every day, but she's always looking for new ideas. Totally, like, pitch me. Yeah, if you want her to interview that hair, hair puller, <laughs> I don't know why I just like stuttered when I said that. <laughs> but yeah, if you want puller. her to interview that hair puller, if you want her to investigate anything, just let her know and Absolutely. she will make it happen. Um, and to all of you guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, I'm at Elisa Benson, E-L-I-S-A-B-E-N-S-O-N. You can find me on Insta and Twitter and Snapchat. And I love hearing from you guys. It really brings me so much joy. So thank you for listening. I will see you guys next week. Please like and share and rate and all those other podcasty things. And I think I already said this, but I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.